Welcome, everybody. Um, Happy New Year to all our six listeners. Um, We apologize sincerely for the slight delay in getting a new uh, episode up onto the podcast. We had, um, you know, Christmas time, family time, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's Um, been a busy period. Sorry. been Been a busy little period, you know. Work over Christmas was actually quite busy as well. Um, but we're back. We have plenty of things to talk about, so we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to split it into two episodes. We're going to make sure that Dean talks about the book that I recommended him the last time, um, Recursion by Blake Crouch, just to jog everybody's memory. Yeah, that um, wasn't the reason for the delay, by the way. I want to just throw that in there. I managed to read it <laughs> in record time for me. I managed to finish it well ahead of the month, but unfortunately... There were other reasons, like I say, for the delay. It wasn't just my reading speeds. Logistics and and Christmas and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, um, so we're going to talk about that and then we'll have a general, another, um, say, 40 minutes or so after, kind of a double double whammy episode today where we'll just talk about what we've been up to the last two months since we spoke last, Um, what we've been watching, what we've been reading, whatever. So yeah, um, now Dean... This yes. book that I recommended to you the last time. Mm-hmm. It's been a couple of years since I've read it, and I will admit that I don't remember much about it. But I do remember... Well, that's not true. That's a bit of a lie. I remember the general gist, and I remember inhaling the book in like three days, and it's definitely my cup of tea. But can you tell our listeners what you thought of Recursion by Blake Crouch and also jog my memory? Yeah, sure will. Memory is the key thing, I think, we've mentioned in yeah. that book, because it's all about memory. Uh, yeah, so where do we start? The opening uh, gripped me straight away. It's quite a good opening. Um, you have the uh, protagonist, uh, detective called Barry, who is attempting to talk a woman off the ledge somewhere. Uh, I love... Anything involving like hostages or negotiation, that kind of scene, like I, I love that. It's always tense to watch that play out. So yeah. it's a really great opening to the story, that one. Especially um, if the writer knows how to write good dialogue. You can get a yeah. grip in scene. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, so that that sort of scene plays out at the opening and then unfortunately Barry fails. Uh, doing that and the lady jumps and then we start to hear about this idea that runs through the story at the start of something called false memory syndrome yep and this woman falling victim to suffering from that which kind of explains itself a little bit further down the line like the the mystery behind what false memory syndrome is um at the start of the story I wasn't as into it until a certain point, and I'll get to that in a second, but Mm -hmm. it kind of felt quite familiar with Philip K. Dick, sort of like, or or like, I I thought it was going to go down the territory of being this kind of like noir, futuristic noir, sort of detective thing. And that's what I was expecting it to be. But it's at the stage at the opening where Barry visits a hotel somewhere and he gets uh, kidnapped by this guy and placed into this deprivation tank. Yeah. And he gets killed. And at Mm. the point that he's killed, all of a sudden, this is when the story completely gripped me. Barry suddenly emerges out of the tank, and he is Barry earlier on in his life, 
yeah. suddenly able to prevent the death of his daughter, which he's yeah. been traumatised by at the opening of the story. So like the minute that that happened and suddenly we're in his past and we're reliving his past, I was completely invested in the story from that point on. Yeah. He presents, the, to me, what I remember is that he presented the mystery in a very surprising, unique way. Um, mm-hmm. Where, as you were saying, you expect something else from the first opening pages. You expect it to be a standard little thriller with a nice little concept. But then it kind of just flips a switch entirely and you're like, oh, damn, they just killed the main guy. Oh, no, but he's alive and now he's a different person. What is going on? And then you inhale yeah. the rest of the book. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's unfair, actually, for me to just the, say that that character is the protagonist, which isn't the case at all, because like in mm. between kind of reading those chapters, you have uh, the introduction of uh, Helena, who is the inventor yeah. of the device, which we kind of get to, um, that explains yeah. the idea of false memory syndrome. But uh, at some stage in her working as a scientist, part of this bigger team, that are doing this research into uh, it's to do with her trying to find a cure for Alzheimer's. Yeah. Um, for her grandmother, is it? Or it might have been a mother. I can't quite remember now. I think it's her mother. Um, I think it's her mother, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and as part of the research behind that and the technology she's developing, um, the accident, I guess, occurs that the machine that they're creating causes people to be able to go and do this thing which is almost in a way like a like a reset code but it kind of reminded me a little bit of the nature of video games in the sense that you can create a save point so you can kind of create this moment where you can then return back to that exact moment in time and relive from that timeline onwards to try and prevent events that occur in yep. your future yeah um, but it's not quite time travel so it's a little bit different from that it's the idea that you're kind of like reliving and overriding the previous timeline so it suddenly wipes out. And then the the idea of you actually wiping out that previous timeline, that's what people are experiencing in that future when they yeah. are experiencing false memory syndrome. It's actually people who are kind of remembering almost like the idea of deja vu, those yeah. past lives that they lived through. Um, but it has quite devastating effects for the rest of humanity at some stage because uh, Helena, eventually um, Helena and Barry's timelines sort of intertwine and she sort of sets out on this quite heroic path, almost like a Sarah Connor kind of path of leading Barry along and trying to prevent the head of the research team that she was working for, I think a guy called Marcus Slade, who's kind of like the villain of the piece, yeah, um, yeah. trying to prevent him from doing terrible things uh, using the technology. And it kind of leads then to a series of very exciting action sort of set pieces where they've got uh, gunfights and this brilliant uh, attack in a tunnel in New York somewhere and that all caving mm-hmm. in. And then you've got a nuclear attack as well. And just the way those scenes are written out, they're so, so well done. Um, what I liked is that, um, so this guy wrote another book before this that I read called Dark Matter. Okay. Quite a similar premise or quite similar story beats in that there's a guy who wakes up kind of in a life that's not his own and he gets abducted and then strapped to this chair and all these guys in, um, like these scientist guys in hazmat suits and stuff all poking around him and stuff. And then he gets basically inserted into this new reality as a new him. 
and he's trying to figure out what's going on and it's more multiple realities um whereas this one deals more with time and memory um the the first book he wrote i found it was brilliant i loved it but it wasn't quite as personal as this one this one i found it got quite more a bit more personal and a bit more a bit more human and yet some of the set pieces and action not the set pieces but the the settings and the action uh scenes got even bigger than the first novel of his that i read mm-hmm. um so he managed to swing it both ways and give us devastating worldwide effects of this stuff but also keep it very grounded and human at the same time which is why i kind of liked this one more and i recommended this one rather than the other one yeah but yeah it's not problematic for me but i did there were definitely times where i found it difficult to try and keep up with what was going on and understand quite the logistics of what was happening with the timeline and i think one of one slight issue for me is that when when all that stuff starts to happen, it's incredibly exciting to read. Like I say, I love I love all those scenes as they start to play out. But it gets to a point where like you just have this rush of chapter after chapter of the amount of times the characters die, like one after the next, after the next, and we're in another timeline and another timeline and another timeline. And it kind of it doesn't get exhausting, but it gets confusing to a stage where like I just I felt like I needed a bit of time to keep up and I think that's just the nature of the concept which is a really strong concept is fantastic but I don't know to do it justice you might need like a long spanning TV series Game of Thrones sort of duration to kind of like yeah. fully explore that in a way that you can actually digest it properly I'd, I'd say so um, I I would have liked a, maybe a series of novels for this because there's yeah. so much good like detailed um, tidbits in the con- like so many good conceptual ideas that can be explored with maybe even a few different characters to, I don't know, familiarise yourself more with the world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a there's a point where uh, where I definitely feel like it feels like a TV show set up almost is the concept of yeah. um, when the... Is it the guy from the CIA gets involved? I can't remember if it's the CIA or not. Sorry. Um, it's, uh, I don't know if it's exactly the CIA, but definitely the intelligence agency of this book. Yeah, yeah, and they, and yeah. they form that they form that team that basically go through time trying to fix it. And when it gets to that stage, that that doesn't necessarily feel like a different book, but it feels like the concept has kind of moved on to something different there. That, like I yeah. say, would feel like this, even like an X Files type of long running show based around that team and what they're doing and stuff. That kind of feels like a yeah. a fully formed idea that needs time to turn into something else that doesn't quite get that time it deserves. Yeah. Um, but the reason I can forgive all of that is because I think the heart of the story is entirely a romance, like, between Helena and uh, and Barry and just exactly. the fact watching them through that second half of the book just kind of relive their timelines over and over again. And just it's just incredibly romantic and incredibly moving watching, like, Helena be the hero and sort of fight to s- try and attempt to save Barry time and time again. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. It's completely the heart of the story. Uh, 100%. That's exactly why I liked this book more than Dark Matter because I felt Dark Matter might have been lacking a little bit in that. Not too mm-hmm. much, but it lacked a little bit of that towards the end where it focused a little bit too much on the concept yeah. and the plot 
um, and forgot about what hooks us into these big grand ideas, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I I I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. Um, yeah, the uh, what was it? And I was thinking the the nature of like the it's a structural thing as well with the way it's written. Uh, again, to do with the nature of the concept itself, and I think I think it causes a problem for him as a writer. But I can't. I was thinking it through in my head and thinking, I'm not sure there's any other way to do it other than how he's done it anyway. But it's the idea that this could get... I'm trying to think how I can explain this to the listener because even planning it out in my head as a graph, it doesn't quite make sense. <laughs> but the the idea that you would kind of move forwards in your timeline, you would get to the certain point where you had your reset point or something and you're going to die then. And then you're going to... Sorry, you're, you're going to die at some stage with Be- this is all the time she saves Barry basically I'm referring to with her, his chapters so yeah. Barry dies she sa- she saves she makes sure that Barry gets resurrected at some stage earlier on in his timeline and then he goes through everything again but each time because we as a reader need to know we're in Barry's head all the time so we need to experience that transition but mm-hmm. in reality because the nature of like time occurring like in reality like all at once but we can only experience it chronologically due to physics but the sense that like he he would have no memory of what came before until the very end point where he reaches the reset time the time of the death so like his character he has to write out his character experience in that transition and be like oh wow i'm just remembering all these past timelines i've had but as a if to capture that accurately as a writer, really, he wouldn't have any memory of that whatsoever. But yet, you have to somehow write a chapter where we're aware of it, yeah. and he's kind of aware. It's like there's this blank space. If if it was written accurately, then there just wouldn't be a chapter there, and to, it would the chapter would literally just open at the moment that Barry remembers everything. But we don't get that. Sometimes we get moments where like Barry is the Barry who's been leading up to that point again. Yeah, uh, which makes sense really for you to experience it as a as a reader. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, there's there's lots of really confusing shit like that in the story where my mind was like, oh, I had to go I'm back and read a, a couple lost. of a couple of. There's definitely a couple of chapters I had to go back and read twice. Yeah, um, just to keep up and just to go. Okay, did I understand that correctly? Am I on board? Yeah, Grant. Right now, we can move on to the next chapter. <laughs> and I had to like go back and yeah, oh, is that what he said back? Okay, so he might have said that maybe a hundred pages ago. Let's go back and flick through that again. And yeah, but I <laughs> enjoy doing that with a book. You know, I enjoy it. It shows me that I'm invested enough in what's going on that I yeah. give a shit to go back and check. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, um, and the I I like discovering writers that I can tell have a, 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 a taste, so a specific taste or a voice or a a style that mm-hmm. they are clearly um, you know passionate about, and then it comes true in how they write. So, uh, for example. You know, we'll say even Nolan with his movies about similar kinds of concepts, you know, time and identity and reality and all these kind of things that are really fun to play with, especially as a novelist. Um, you the, the world is your oyster, you know, you create everything. I enjoy finding writers that um, clearly 
not that they stick to their wheelhouse, but you can clearly start to see a pattern and um, their own taste coming out in their writing. Mm-hmm. So, for example, even with Nolan, Christopher Nolan making movies, you can tell that he likes some similar themes to this uh, writer, Blake Crouch, like themes of identity, time, reality, dreams, the mind playing tricks on you, that kind of stuff, you know, because there's a lot of fun stuff to play with there. And yeah. Did you ever get to see, uh, sorry, did you ever get to watching Tenet? I never got to see Tenet. I didn't get, it, it, it's I didn't interest, get out to the cinema. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that and, and with this book, because I was curious, I didn't check out when this book was written until I'd finished it. And just yeah. because Tenet was in the back of my head a little bit yeah. when I watched some of this, sorry, when I read some of this and then I was checking it out and I thought, I would be very surprised if Christopher Nolan has not heard of that book if not yeah. read it, it when you watch Tenet because like, yeah. there's definitely that element of kind of overriding and going back and resetting something hmm. that is definitely something in, in that movie the first uh, like, time I discovered this novelist was actually with a TV show that was adapted from a trilogy of novels that he read mm-hmm. that I still have on my to read list but I haven't bought the books yet um, it's the Wayward Pines trilogy so there was a TV show that they made a few years ago on FX, I think, um, with Matt Dillon. Yeah. And it's essentially, a, it's quite a similar concept, but it's 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 a man who, will say, arrives in a small town to find his, he's like an FBI agent or something like that. I, I can't quite remember. Mm-hmm. And he arrives in this town to find his missing partner. And things get progressively weirder in this town. And then we start to question, hold on, did you arrive in this town or were you here the whole time? A little bit like Shutter Island. Um, yeah. That's similar concept. And he just, you can tell that the writer is a fan of this kind of story. And yeah. just because that this kind of story is my exactly my cup of tea, I... I, I have inhaled whatever I've read by him um, and it's similar to you know like in comics Ed Brubaker sticks to writing crime noir um, fiction and he's brilliant at it some writers just have a voice for the the genre that they that they like to play in or the sandbox yeah. that they like to play in and this guy definitely knows he he has his craft down to a T um, for this kind of story um, so it just makes it much easier to read the books because it's 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 not like they have it down to a formula or anything like that, but they definitely have some sort of like pattern that just clicks in their brain and they're like, right, these are the story beats we're going to hit and these are the big re- revelations and mystery that we're going to slowly unravel here and here and here. It just makes for a, like a kiss, kiss, bang, bang type of read, you know? Yeah. Um, quite good cinematic influence wise um, when you said about like his taste and stuff like that when Mm. I was reading it I I was immediately thinking a lot as well of uh, the movie Source Code um, quite a bit with it because of that nature of like uh, even though that's more time travel-y like just the nature of that also being a romance and also being about going back and resetting events and it also shares that thing of that kind of like post 9-11 quality of like the the kind of like the devastation of like the uh, the action, not the action scenes, but you know what I mean, like the yeah. 
those are set pieces that play out where you've got like this almost terrorist-like attack that kind of plays out in that way that does remind you of those horrific real-world events, like the way it plays out. Yeah, um, yeah. And 12 Monkeys a little bit as well, a little bit of that monkeys, in there. yeah. Um, but yeah, it reminded me of those slightly. It's, it's, it's like, um, you know, it's like Inception, Shutter Island, Memento, Source Code... All of these kind of really cool movies, Minority Report, even these, yeah, you know, mind bendy, twisty kind of things. You can tell this guy loves that stuff, and I yeah. love that stuff. So, <laughs> you know, but it feels kinda... like it's his, doesn't it? Like, like you were saying, yeah, that yeah. it's a unique, it's a unique voice that you're getting, even though, even though you're familiar with some of like the tone and the concepts that are going yeah. on, like from other things, it doesn't feel like it's kind of lazy fan fiction or it, do, it doesn't feel like it's like just a writer who's like experienced too much of that stuff and is just churning exactly. out the same crap that you've had a hundred times before. It definitely, exactly. he, he feels like a, like you say, he's got his own unique take on it. Because I do think that it's slightly more personal as well. Like that my, if I were to have one gripe with Christopher Nolan movies, and I don't have a lot mm-hmm. of gripes with Christopher Nolan movies, but <laughs> sometimes he may sacrifice some character humanity and personal touches in his movies for the concept. Sometimes, not all the time. Yeah. Um, like I'd say, even though a lot of people have you know issues with Interstellar, that's a far more personal movie to me than most of Inception is Inception mm-hmm. is quite cold towards a lot of its characters except for maybe the protagonist which of course he's a guy that wants to get back to his kids fairly straightforward yeah um, but yeah I think that's why I like this book more than the first book I read by by Blake Crouch which is exactly that it's, it's it feels like he wrote it with stuff in mind if that makes sense you know <laughs> yeah it's not just um I want to copy this concept that I really like and write my own version of it. No, he he had a story to tell, you know? And Yeah. Uh, yeah. The focus isn't on, like, just hang, hang, like, the emphasis, like, say, purely being on how do I pull off the concept and yeah. the technical side of that, which is when you mentioned the Christopher Nolan thing, uh, Nolan thing sorry, uh, I kind of agree as well because I feel that his brother's input in his screenplay writing at the start of his career was the kind of his voice like yeah. as a screenwriter Absolutely. was the thing that kind of gave it a, those little bit of heart that was needed and then once he kind of departed and they sort of separated ways his input just working on the writing side of things like you can tell it's not necessarily his strength but his technical ability to execute an idea yeah. is flawless but it's if lacking you compare, that I know I haven't seen Tenet yet but from everything mm-hmm. I've read and everything I've heard from people that I trust it's he's going more and more towards focusing on the concept and the characters. Um, but if you compare that to The Prestige, Prestige is a character-driven movie with a Christopher Nolan concept, and it's perfect. Yeah, the, it's the, my favourite as well. Yeah, the more time passes, I look back and I think, you know, The Prestige might be his best film. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the more I think about it, the more time passes. I, I love Inception and I love Interstellar. Um, but the more time passes, I think the prestige is, is definitely his, the perfect blend of both of them, you know? Yeah. Um, I think there's some partnerships that people don't 
think about too much uh, with directors mm. and their screenwriters like that. That you can you can definitely notice the shift in tone. Wes Anderson's another one for me where um, I, Owen Wilson's input as a screenwriter early yeah. on in his career to me was what really again grounded it and gave it heart. And the, I think like what is it? The Life Aquatic is the moment that he departs as a writer, and then I can't remember who it might have been. I mispronounced his name. Noah Baumbach. Oh, can't, Noah, I can't remember. No, Noah Baumbach, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think he might have had some involvement in the screenplay on that one. And for me, like, just it shifted. Like the whatever the quality of what it was, I loved about Wes Anderson's movies to that stage. They didn't change. Like they were still like technically flawlessly made. Yeah. But they were just missing something very personal that I think was Owen Wilson's voice as a writer coming through. Um, I know he's only really probably thought about as a as a performer by most people but I think his strength mm. as a writer in those early movies of Wes Anderson's really really strong um, yeah and yeah but 100% with this book uh, to go back to that definitely you've got somebody who manages the balancing act between both of having something very high concept but entirely grounding you in it personally and making you care yeah um, I'd be intrigued now to, to to go back and read his Wayward Pines trilogy and even for yourself to go and read Dark Matter and see what you think of that yeah, book. Yeah, I definitely want to read another one of his. Um, then I'd say read Dark Matter because it's just the one again as well. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's quite similar in its story beats to this one. Yeah. But yeah, it'd be, I'd be intrigued to see what you think of that one as well. Um, yeah, I definitely. also inhaled that in like two days and I remember <laughs> I was like, I went back because I track what I read on Goodreads and I'm like, yep, I inhaled that in two days. That gets an automatic five stars. Anything I read in two days, it's just, yeah, I loved it. I don't have any complaints. <laughs> and then I sit back and I think about it for a while. I'm like, okay, yeah, I had a little bit of an issue with that. But, you know, I think if you entertain me enough so that I read a novel in two days, I think it's safe to say that the book is good and I don't really care about the flaws, you know, because I had a great time reading it. If that mm. makes sense, you know, and I think sometimes people have difficulty separating, you know, oh, this is of highest quality and it's quite highbrow, and, and just did you have a did you have a good time with it? You know, it, it's a basic question. Did you have a good time? Yes, great, you know, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely had a great time with it. Uh, really glad you recommended it. Um, cool. With the with Wayward Pines, actually, to go back to that, I remember that being out at the time and seeing the advertising for it, and mm. I didn't. I I think I went to check out one of the episodes, and I would just. I, it's not that I didn't get into it. I think just something else came along, and I started watching that instead. But I think what intrigued me was, at that stage, I think a few years earlier, they tried to do a reboot of The Prisoner. Uh, which is still to this day yeah. one of my favourite, t- the original, one of my favourite TV shows of all time. And uh, they did an update of that uh, with Ian McKellen. Yeah. In, and uh, who was it? Jim Caviezel, was it? Jim oh, Caviezel, sorry. yeah. Is yeah. that how you say his name? Uh, poss- possibly not. <laughs> Caviezel. <laughs> Caviezel. Um, yeah, who I've always liked as well. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, so that that had come along, and I think there was... I can't remember the name of the other show. There was another show on Channel 4 about some people living in a strange town and that kind of thing. But, like, TV had done that idea a few times prior to that coming on TV, and when I saw the trailer for it, I thought, oh, this is another person doing another take on, like, something strange happening in this... Yeah. ..what seems like a seemingly ordinary little town, and there's, like, they can't escape the town, and it's that kind of idea again. I thought, oh, okay, this is... Yeah. I didn't, I and now like I know that. that it was his 
yeah. concept. I'm very interested to go back and check out that TV series as well, I think. Absolutely, yeah. I'm definitely not going to give away the twist either because that twist <laughs> okay. blew my mind. <laughs> I was, I did not expect that because it's just a nice little twist on that trope, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I will say no more. Go and watch the first season and if you're not hooked by it, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, anyway, moving yes. on. Moving I on. assume this month now is uh, going to be my turn to discover something. Yes, so I guess it would be time to announce the month's choice for our next episode. Mm, so, drum roll, please. Bum, 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 bum. Prepare yourself. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> I'm going to choose a TV show for you. I know Ooh. that you are a subscriber to Amazon Prime. Yes, a video new at the moment. <laughs> a new um a new monkey in the system of Amazon's big <laughs> wheel, yes. Yes, so we're going to keep it to a show on there and it's going to be quite a lot of TV show and mm. now we can do this however we like. We could do this that you could maybe try and digest a season before we discuss it or we can maybe just keep it going until you've experienced all four seasons of the show which is the duration of the whole program and take it from there but yeah let's see how you do over the course of a month wait so you're telling me i have a month to watch four seasons <laughs> it's entirely we can and in for lockdown the exactly i know mm. for the listeners well that's a bit of a big ask so maybe we could see how we get on with just watching the first season of this show okay. and take it from there if yeah. by all means you want to do what I did and binge out completely <laughs> and condense it all into a month, then yeah, go ahead and get through the lot. Um, it's a show called Halt and Catch Fire. Indeed. Um, there are four seasons of it, like I say, on Amazon. Yep. And it's a fictional account of the rise of the computer revolution in Excellent. America spanning 10 years of time sort of from the 80s through to the 90s um it stars uh lee pace who most people probably know from guardians of the galaxy and is in the hobbit as well yeah and mackenzie davis who people may know from blade runner 2049 and the caribbean is it uh, no, that's Mackenzie Crook. This is ah. the, <laughs> this is the uh, the female Terminator from Terminator Dark Fate. She's oh also, yeah, 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 yeah. Mackenzie okay. Davis, not Mackenzie Crook. Okay, cool. Would be a very different show if he was in the role. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then you've got uh, Scoot. I, I'm definitely going to mispronounce the guy's surname, but Scoot McNary okay. and uh, Kerry Beach who both starred in the movie Argo together. They're also part of the central cast. Cool. Uh, Yeah, great characters, really interesting take on the development of that part of history. And for me personally, it was, uh, I watched it right towards the end of um, thinking about it of of 2020, or was it 2019? I'm trying to think. 2019, yeah. So yeah. basically, for me, the strongest show of that decade was this show, and I just happened to watch it at the very, very end of that Damn. decade, just as we were transitioning across, and it still stayed with me to this day. Like, I just think it's a really interesting 
uh, take on that part of history and probably quite an important show for people to watch thinking about the world that we live in today and how technology just affects everything. Very, Um, very cool. Yeah, so I hope you enjoy that. Um, Um, I'm not going to lie to you, I might watch the whole thing in the next month. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, we'll see how we get on. Um, yeah. Because I do, I was telling you the other day that I do have a bit of a list now that I have Amazon Prime and I've discovered that it actually has quite a lot of stuff I want to watch. <laughs> yeah. I've I've compiled a little list for myself, so I might watch it alongside something else um, and then elongate the process a little bit for me. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that now. That's another one I can add to the, to the repertoire. Very cool. Great. Uh, yeah, so uh, unfortunately, like I say, for the listener, it would require having the Amazon video. Um, again, we're not getting paid anything for this. <laughs> it's just much easier to choose uh, selections for you all from streaming services that are you available. You corporate shill, Dean. <laughs> um, yeah, Subscribe so... to Amazon Prime. Let's all increase <laughs> Jeff Bezos' net worth. <laughs> just do the free month's trial, right? If you don't want to pay, yeah. just do the 30-day trial. Pack it all in. Like I say, just binge four seasons, boom, boom, boom. Don't have to pay Jeff a penny. <laughs> yeah. There yeah. you go. Turkey Day wait. free trial and watch, upload The Expanse, watch everything, watch everything <laughs> that Amazon Prime has to offer in 30 days. Don't do anything. Don't eat. Don't sleep. Don't shit. Yeah. <laughs> and don't pay Jeff anything. Be the best thing you can do. Anyway. There you go. Yeah. So I hope you all enjoyed. Thanks for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed this very delayed episode and if you want to tune in again we are going to have a special bonus for you next as a separate episode so if you want to keep on listening and check out some of the things that we've been enjoying over the gap between shows then by all means click on that next episode and enjoy indeed it'll be another little rambly episode shall we say just to make up for last time thanks everybody bye 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 guys (laughs) 